Spooky Tuesday, a weekly podcast where we're breaking down all of our favorite slashers, thrillers, monster movies, and black comedies on the new scariest day of the week. I'm Sydney Thompson. I'm Monica Height. And I'm Chelsea Death. And this week, why haven't y'all told me happy birthday yet? <laughs> happy, <laughs> birthday. happy birthday! <laughs> happy birthday, Sydney! Happy Happy birthday. Happy birthday. birthday. We we mentioned this last week that you cry if you hear the happy birthday song. But what about the other version that's not the original one? The like happy birthday to you. Are you gonna cry from that? No, no. Okay, all right. Sorry, I even started it right then. The only (laughs) one that that I was more jazzy and fun. The only one that I will deem acceptable but you can't sing it at me you have to sing it with me and we must be dancing on a bar is go shoddy it's your birthday we gonna party, gonna party like it's, it's your birthday, birthday. all right good if to you know. a bad bitch and it's your birthday okay <laughs> all right all right all right i'm taking notes <laughs> okay so it's sydney's birthday and that means we're doing a birthday episode for Sydney. It's not Sydney. my actual birthday. It's okay, just my well, birthday excuse episode. Us for the confusion. There's so much <laughs> birthday emphasis here. It is the pre birthday episode. Yeah, it's the birthday episode, which is kicking off Sydney Palooza. That's true. That's true. Sydney Palooza begins day one now. Now, now. right now, this very <laughs> moment. Come on this journey with us. <laughs> It 1990 version, which is a beloved film from Sydney's childhood. I had not seen it. I don't think Monica has seen it. Um, I've seen Sydney, it. Do you want to? Oh, you have? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, excuse me. Really? I think Monica has seen it. Oh, yeah. I love this shit. Mm-hmm. It's it's great. It is three hours and 12 minutes long, though. <laughs> it is. It is. And honestly, it's probably about four minutes long, if or four minutes, four hours long, if you factor in all of the original commercials, which oh my you can still clock where the commercials are placed when you watch this movie, because it was a mini like TV series. series yeah. But yeah. it was a movie. So like, that's three hours. Episodes. Here's the thing. We did have um, much debate before we set this for sure on the schedule about whether this needed to be two episodes because of its length because of the fact that it was technically two movies on tv sydney made very clear that it is one movie actually and one movie only and i will say yes. when i watched it on hulu i i didn't know where the the break in between the me movies either. was when so was it actually when was there a good cliffhanger yeah. so i was like, trying to figure that out left off okay when we get to the point, I will tell you where the cliffhanger is. Okay, okay, okay. Okay. 
Oh, a cliffhanger. So for anybody who actually hasn't seen this movie, it came out in 1999, which then, which makes it almost. 1990. Oh, 1990. I'm just bad with numbers. <laughs> Do you want to say that sentence again? No. So you're so fresh. Oh, okay. No. It's her birthday episode, folks. It's she my doesn't birthday. Have to. Like, bring it on. It's my birthday, so you know I'm gonna misremember dates. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> you should know that by now if you're right. listening to any one of our previous episodes. We can be relied upon for the truth, for factual information, for saying anything correctly. We just vibe. Thank God this came out in 1990, though, so it had the chance to influence Sydney's entire childhood. You know what I mean? It did. 1999, it would have been too late. Too late to deeply ingrain itself into her soul, you know? (laughs) This movie, okay. So if you haven't seen this movie, I'm going to read you the IMDb summary of it. Because if I actually tried to summarize it, I would go on a tangent and be like, well, that actually, would be the whole, it'll be the whole podcast. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so I am going to just like, just read a scripted summary okay. and just have Chelsea, like, look at me while I do it. <laughs> In 1960, seven preteen outcasts fight an evil demon who poses as a child killing clown. <laughs> 30 years later, they reunite to stop the demon once and for all when it returns to their hometown. Spooky! It's pretty succinct. It's pretty succinct. Honestly, Couldn't have said it better myself. That is a good description because sometimes IMBD, IMBD, is that it? I don't know. So close. Damn it, bro. <laughs> Who knows? It's your birthday, so we're gonna get acronyms wrong. <laughs> You're saying- perfect. I'm completely sober. So this is just uh, this is just who I am, guys. And and we love you. Thank you. Thank you. Um I think this movie was my first introduction to Tim Curry. Oh, what a great place like, to start. I, I'm definitely <laughs> sure I saw this before I, because I, I didn't see Rocky Horror until I was like 12 or 13. Okay. And then I didn't see Clue until I was like 19, which is oh. a shame. I should have watched Clue at a way younger age than Yeah, you're delayed. Oh, agreed. I didn't see Clue until this year. I like oh, didn't start until that's this right. year. You didn't yeah. see it until we watched it. Oh my god, my we whole do life that was trash point. up until this year, and this year fucking sucked. Except for that, I guess. Damn. Well, and also, it's hard whole, to peak this, late in life. This whole podcast <laughs> was great, right? Yeah, Monica. Our whole right? podcast. What? You love everything about this podcast. Yes. So what just is, watching what? Clue was the only good thing, and everything was, else. Oh my god. Was <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've hated every moment of this with you guys. Actually, I thought I'd tell you now on Sydney's birthday. <laughs> Stop fighting! No. It's my birthday. I'm kidding. <laughs> but anyway, okay, that must be so hard though to like live your whole life or your, or your first introduction to Tim Curry. You don't know that he's sexy like that. <laughs> okay, sucks. Um, That's true. That is a struggle. That's hard. I mean, oh no, you're gonna say something upsetting. <laughs> Pennywise is like very charming in a weird way. Like, I don't know. I don't know. 
says so, I'm vomiting, but I am dressed as him right now. Okay. Well, yeah, but no, I, I wasn't. I wasn't about to do that. I wasn't about to do the mouth thing, which the mouth thing is only from the new ones. Um, And I wasn't about to do the red nose. Yeah, I wasn't about to do the eyebrows. I've (laughs) never done the glue down eyebrow things where you white out your eyebrows and do little ones over it. I'm not there in my makeup journey yet. But Tim Curry was. And God, I fucking love the costuming for him. His fucking huge ass forehead. Absolutely large. Very exciting. His nose. Very beautiful, round, voluptuous nose. Uh, <laughs> and mostly what I love the most about is his makeup was how his eyes were like yellow and bloodshot as fuck the entire time. And his teeth were super yellow and gross too in comparison to like the white like makeup he had on his face. So fucking unsettling to look at him. Even when he's giving you a balloon, little Georgie, like you should not trust this man. <laughs> Why yeah, I mean, the thing, the thing about the makeup that's interesting to me is this was like a pared down look from what they had originally planned. They originally wanted to do like a lot more prosthetics and stuff like that to really be scary. Um, mm. But Tim Curry had just done a very prosthetic heavy role um, in darkness in legend um and he spent so long I know I'd never heard of it 1985 um but he spent so long in the makeup chair getting ready to film things in that movie that he was like I simply cannot do it again I beg of you like he almost didn't take the role because he didn't want to do something that was so prosthetic heavy but they were able to compromise a little bit um and instead we get the very scary Tim Curry that we see in this film um where he he just has an enormous forehead at all times but then sometimes also has spiky sharp teeth um and that's very scary and also sometimes his eyes are baby blue you know and also sometimes he's an old lady you know so and also sometimes he is a werewolf and also sometimes he's ben's dad who died in the war (laughs) so (laughs) ben's dad who died in the war was hot just saying oh yeah super hot yeah here's the thing about this movie um it was all over the place in terms of the timeline um i was reading about the movie and apparently in the books they really have like the the past timeline and the present timeline kind of unfolding concurrently um and it switches Mm. between the two and then in this adaptation like obviously there are plenty of flashbacks and flash forwards I guess arguably throughout um Mm. but they really kind of separate it like the the remake into like the kids movie first and the adult movie second um which makes sense for a two episode miniseries you know what I mean like you got to give up something in the first half it can't all be set up um but I I also think it was a little strange to to have it be episodic when you're watching it in in like one full sit down movie like that you know what I mean yeah that was something that I noticed so I think I'm the only one out of the three of us who's seen this it had seen this it previously and has also seen both of the new it's that came out in the last five years or whatever the hell um and so watching this again made me appreciate all the things they tried to do in the new ones because there are a lot more homages than I realized like for example the casting like the way these kids that they cast for the new ones look they're like 
they look so much like the original cast. It's fucking crazy. Not every single one of them, but like, um, I think the Stan in particular, just like the ways that his eyes are set in his face. He is, looks exactly like that new kid that they, that they chose. Also Jessica Chastain. Uh, that's, that's, I think she's the older, older um, Beverly. Yeah. Beverly. Yeah. She looks so much like the original Beverly. So that, that's something I appreciated, but I, I don't know. I think that this is so much more enmeshed like timeline wise, like, cause it's like everyone, basically the structure is that everyone gets their phone call from Mike Hanlon, reminding them of like their past that they've forgotten and that they need to come back because it is back. The monster is back. And then like everyone, like once they get that phone call has their flashback to what happened to them. So that's how it's like way more enmeshed. And, and like, I liked that, but at the same time, like, I don't know, I, I kind of liked it split up too. Cause it's like the pacing is more, you can really like learn about the characters more like how they were as a kid and then understand how they're different as adults now when, when it's separated. But I mean, this is definitely truer to the book, I guess. So I'll allow it. <laughs> One thing that's like really interesting with like you can and you can kind of see it when you rewatch it like again where the commercials were but if it's like a two hour long uh like tv movie I guess like episode then you're mm-hmm. gonna get like seven commercial yeah. breaks Did you read during that me? maybe oh girly girl and so like how they introduce there's seven losers lucky seven and so how they kind of introduce everybody mm. is like they get their own commercial break and so they're really building uh like the kids like character world and that backstory and then uh in the second half it's more like vague childhood flashbacks mixed in with like actions on how to defeat it but um the kids had so much better I guess chemistry and like they were so much more compelling and more fun to watch than the adults were and I think a lot of that was the acting and the casting because like I don't know Mm -hmm. I was a little put off that like John Ritter but also John Ritter have you considered in a in a beard (laughs) oh my god he looks so good like a sexy little man who I love that little sexy cowboy outfit like I was freaking out. Me. Adam was sitting yeah. next to me and I was like, why don't you wear that? I literally okay, said, do you thing. think my cowboy boots would fit you? Because like, I'm going to put them in that outfit. <laughs> okay. I'm glad you had that reaction because I immediately looked at Jesse and I was like, you should wear something like this. And he was like, only for special occasions. And I'm like, Tuesdays are a special occasion. Tuesdays sir. are special. Date nights are, are special. special. Birthdays Hello. are very special. But yeah, it's special. really interesting that you say that because um when monica was talking i was thinking about what you were saying with the the seven act structure for a two hour show with those built-in commercial breaks um and i have a guess at at what the cliffhanger may have been now between the first episode and the second episode um but i will say that i do think um you're right i read i i think probably the same article where they really talked about the kids were cast based on the strength of their auditions for the roles and the adults were cast without auditions at all pretty much based on the fact that they were known names already Mm -hmm. um and so they weren't necessarily cast for a role that would have suited them best or they weren't necessarily 
cast um in in something that was like written to their strengths or whatever they were just like John Ritter is here because he's John Ritter and we love him you know what I mean um which I will say I no really, problems with John Ritter oh I was thrilled to see John Ritter here and I'm thrilled to see Tim Reed here and then I frankly wasn't familiar with really any of the other adults um okay uh well you have oh, Bill okay. is John Boy Walton and then which neither of y'all know the Waltons but I made a big deal about this before Oh, and then he's oh. from like a 70s like sitcom. And then his wife is Julia. Oh, Olivia Hussey. Yes, I knew yes, her. From our queen from Black Christmas 1994. 1994, yes. Oh my God. Wow. I did yeah. not put that together at all. I did not put that together at all. I was like, I love this woman and she's hot in a way that I recognize her. And I was like, oh, it's just because I've seen this before. No, it's because no, it's her. Yeah. Life. Baby in Black Christmas. Oh, man. Oh, I can't wait till we talk about her part of the movie. Um, but OK, can I also just say that I think that the guy, Dennis Christopher, who played Eddie, is like the cutest man I've ever seen in my life. He's so cute. <laughs> He's so adorable with his little flippy hair. I love Eddie him. Eddie is one of my favorite characters. Me too. And Eddie gets the worst life of <laughs> arguably well, the worst life besides Mike's life. Like his life fucking well, sucks. Bev's also sucks. Bev sucks yeah. too. Yeah. Bill seems to be doing but great. At least, Bill's thriving or whatever. Oh, Bill's thriving. Oh, the ponytail, you know he's having oh. a bad time. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was going to say, Bill's thriving, except for, like, then he turns around and you see that yes. rat growing there out the back of his neck. Oh. One of my, my research brought me to an article specifically about how the ponytail is bad. Um, <laughs> and it's important, and I will be including it in our episode notes. Um, it's so bad. But it's that so, same it's article. It's distracting from the plot it, of the frankly, film. Yes. That same article, <laughs> though, brought me to another article about another great moment in the film and it made me realize also um that adult stan is played by uh veda siltonfuss's uncle from my girl which means nothing to monica because she hasn't seen my girl um, of course i've seen my girl one of you hadn't seen my girl i just me. assumed it was monica oh it's sydney um i apologize to monica formally oh, on this podcast oh oh, oh, oh no, no, no no my girl gave me my like probably but that was actually probably my first existential crisis not the twilight zone existential crisis that i have that my girl fucked me up so bad i cried for like weeks and then during the pandemic we had a video chat us three with some of our other friends where we drank a bunch of champagne and dressed in renaissance fair clothing and then i decided to watch my girl after that while drunk and hysterically oh, yeah. cried oh, yeah. for like five hours here's so the I've thing i've seen my girl it's my like girl's a, going on a low point of the pandemic. <laughs> it's going on the fifth Tuesday list because in its no. own way, it is a horror movie and, no. and say no more. Um, Sydney, I don't know what you know, but erase it from I know your nothing brain. about it. So. Don't Incredible. look into it. Erase even I'm going to try to make it so we don't do it as a fifth Tuesday so you never have to feel this pain. <laughs> I am going to inflict it upon her. I'm so sorry. Happy birthday. Um, <laughs> but But anyway, yeah, I mean- the the thing about this movie is also that um in terms of the two halves of it the second half was the the whole script was written by um i think Lawrence Cohen is his name um and then a bunch of it got rewritten um by the director the second half essentially got entirely rewritten by the director 
because it wasn't very faithful to the book at all. Um, And there was like a whole different ending, essentially, other than the one that we saw on screen. Um, But that is also to say that it was rewritten by a director, not a writer. Um, And I think some of that is clear in the dialogue. Um, like oh, yeah. he may have had good story ideas, but but the script in terms of the the script of it all, um, perhaps wasn't as strong as the first half. Some people have suggested, um, and no one has like publicly commented on it. Like the original script writer hasn't come out and been like, "Here was my original script." So like no one can really see and compare and contrast. But a lot of people really think? say the strength of the first half like hugely outweighs the strength of the second half of this movie but also I think um that seven act structure just based on like a two-hour movie with commercial breaks and having seven characters and splitting it up the way that they did with like the seven reintroductions I think giving it that structure works really well in Mm -hmm. terms of making a tv movie you know what I mean and I almost wish I had seen this movie on tv with commercial breaks a week apart from itself so that I could like really see it in the medium it was supposed to be seen in because I think that would add to it I think when you're watching it all in one block it almost takes away from it a little bit because it doesn't have that same like rhythm that it would naturally have otherwise and there's um, not built-in bathroom breaks, um, yes. like at <laughs> there were commercials. Cause, yeah, I got a little lost in the middle of this one too. I got really hungry. I hadn't had enough coffee. I watched oh, I this in the morning. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that said, John Ritter is so sexy. You know what he's I mean? So and sexy. I will only say that is poorly cast because he's supposed to be like the fat kid, and I know he's supposed to grow up and be handsome, but but even the, the younger chi- fat kid is the so child. adorable. The oh, child the was poor. It just, I He's was so great watching this movie because I was like, this child is a cute child. This child, like he's got swagger. He like looks cute. Like I, if He's, I was a little, little girl, face. I would have been like, oh my God, this guy is cool. Like, yeah, it was oh, so, that was so annoying. And there, everyone's calling him like Porky and all this horrible shit. And I was like, this, like, Get creative, people, with your insults. Oh, my God. He had the best hair, though. He's a terrible person, but he, he has some deep-seated issues. But he's got that swirly hair that I really like and would like to see come back as a trend in 2021. Uh, yeah, I think <laughs> Hair should definitely away. be making a comeback. Yeah, but like, my God, what is wrong with him? What is wrong with Henry Bowers? He literally is murderous. <laughs> immediately he meets this child and he meets ben and he's like fuck you i'm gonna cut your stomach open what the fuck what the hell doesn't he like in the books at least like carve something on his chest am i just like making that like actual cutting that happens at least in the second uh in the new versions of the movies there is a slight cut that is made into his tummy um i'm pretty sure it's been a minute since i've seen them so correct me if i'm wrong in the comments uh but yeah like very very graphic just very fucked up i really wish i had read the book of this first but i know about some things that happen in the book that i never want to perceive and so uh, I don't know if I can do it. I've tried reading this book. I've tried reading this book Chelsea. <laughs> so many times. 
so many times and I just like I can't get in like I can't get past like a certain point where I'm like I'm gonna try it and I'm like okay I'm reading this I'm reading this like and then I'm just like I can't do this anymore so I've never made it past I think like the third chapter of this book I think I'll be prepared bring myself to do it I think I'll be prepared for this one more because I've now read two Stephen King books and one of them was Dreamcatcher and Dreamcatcher um one is 99% about farts just off the bat um (laughs) and I heard that from you and that felt very relevant watching this movie all about burps oh yeah this movie was all about burps you're right wow Stephen King what's going on um also it was funny because like I was like did he think I am Bill and Bill is me and that's who this character is I was just wondering because oh. he's a horror writer I was just like is that you Stephen King with the did you have a ponytail at that time I googled I did he did. have a ponytail did he <laughs> didn't say but that's oh. how I found the Bill's bad ponytail article he must and have I, had a ponytail it was like what did he do to deserve this treatment why did this happen to him um what because he's literally 1990s Stephen King like there, there he had to have had a ponytail I will find a picture there's no way he didn't have a ponytail um but yeah like that movie is also set about people who were bo- like a group of boys who were friends um and grew up in Derry so in the same town and it even mentions mentions Pennywise very quickly in the movie or, or in the book excuse me um but it also does the same thing where it's like present present time adult people flashback to children time all the time back and forth back and forth all the time so I feel like maybe I'd be like more used to that structure but um I like read this part of the research I did for Evil Dead was that article about how Stephen King like helped make Evil Dead happen and get it into distribution and part of that like uh roasted Stephen King for um his endings to books sure. and so <laughs> like uh, maybe that's another reason why the second half of this is a little bit funky because just kind of gets a little uh wild towards the end um the ending is bad the ending is bad you know um we the ending is not my fave but another thing that's not my fave that's in the book and I'm just gonna say it and I never knew about this but Adam decided to read the plot synopsis of the book instead and and it's that uh there's an orgy <laughs> yes and I have so yes. many questions and I With children um, it's, a ch- it's a child it's orgy. When, when they're children it's when they're children oh, yeah it's like when God. they're children it's okay, when they're children I knew that that scene existed I did not know it was when they were children I watched this movie being like I know it's not in this movie but I wonder where it would have gone and spoilers for the end right before the final face off essentially um eddie is like hold on i have to tell you guys something i'm a virgin which like (laughs) nothing wrong with that you know no um i just personally i don't know that he is interested in sex at all and that's something i would like to discuss for his character later on but i thought like maybe this is the moment like maybe he reveals he's a virgin and then they're like let's all and then fuck does, like I'll just, fuck you yeah <laughs> just so you so you can ha- say you fucked before you die and we'll just do an orgy right here and and well well if you're worried about that bestie if you felt that was something you needed to confess like we'll take care of it the the five of us down here we're also close we all love each other um 
Bev specifically at one point is like, that was the day I fell in love with all of you. So like, you know what I mean? I, I was prepared yeah. for that. Um, but, but apparently in the books he's married. Um, and in the, the reboot he's married. Um, he's not a virgin who lives with his mom. No. So, so I thank guess God they gave him a little bit of a better and, life. Well, yeah. Right. Also it's now, you know, that that absolutely bizarre oh part of the film where he's like, it's the last scene before I die. Spoiler alert. He dies. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's the last scene before I die. And I'd seen it before. So I knew he was going to die. And he's like, by the way, I'm a virgin. And so I'm like, they're telling you this. So when he dies, it's more sad. But isn't it so weird that they just made that up and it's not in the book? (laughs) Isn't that so weird? (laughs) Like, what an interesting thing to add. Just be like, you guys, there's like, like, he's like a slow motion bullet is heading towards him essentially. And he's like, just so you know, I'm a virgin. And then He's like, I have to confess that I have lied when I said I was in a relationship, which is not something that we ever even like see him say on screen. Apparently he's just been like telling them this off screen. Yeah. Oh, how strange. But then I was like, he's so cute. And I was like, he's being so vulnerable with his swoopy hair. Mm Glasses. Glasses. Poor guy has got Munchausen syndrome by proxy. proxy. Oh no. Yeah, he's, he's just had a terrible all... life his whole mm-hmm. life. It's been really bad the whole time. Mm-hmm. Um, oh man, it's just really awful. Okay, um, but I do have a question about... actually. Oh, okay. Yes. Um, the question is unrelated to what we were just talking about, other than Eddie has a bad life. If if you would like to continue with your point. Okay, it is related. So I'll just say it really quick. It does make a lot more sense the way that Beverly acts with every single person in the entire cast when you know they all fucked as children, you yes, know? Yes, she, she did greet more than one of them with an, an on-the-mouth kiss. Like an open-mouth kiss. I like mean, she wakes up. Homies, so. who, who is it that True. is holding her when she wakes up from fainting? It's or, Eddie, I think, or Richie, maybe? Yeah, it's Richie. Richie. Oh, it's Richie? And she just wakes up and she's just like, (sighs) like immediately. (laughs) I was like, oh my God. Yeah. Yeah, she kissed Richie on the mouth. And then when she kissed Bill, it was like a full smooch, not just a peck. Richie got a peck. Bill got a smooch. Um, and, And it just continued from there is the thing. But you're right. It makes a lot more sense knowing that that they all fucked I guess yeah Um, I mean who doesn't like to be a hot girl in a group of guys and you know that they're all like damn she do be fine and then you walk away from them though that's the part where you win (laughs) is you walk away and you're like haha bye but no they had a child orgy instead and that's a choice that they had and I'm glad for them I guess if it was all consensual and I don't know if I'll ever read it (laughs) but anyway what were you gonna say that has something that's not about a child orgy I don't know we could switch that um move away from the child orgies of yeah, it yeah, all. Yeah. Uh-huh, um, uh-huh. what I would like to ask instead is like why these kids you know what I mean everybody else seems to get gobbled up so quickly whereas with these kids um Pennywise the clown or it or whatever you want to call it really seems to revel in stoking their fear um mm. and I I know that part of it is obviously they have their little friendship circle of protection or whatever being being with their friends makes them brave safety mm. numbers you know 
I'm about it. Um, but also each of them have a solo interaction with it. And then they, for the most part, walk away unscathed. And I'm just wondering like, why? If everybody else gets gobbled up, you know what I mean? Maybe it's cause like they're older or like, or when they're the, kids, even though it happens, you know what I mean? Like, Beverly no, but has- they're older kids than the kids that get gobbled up. Like, um, Hmm. Like the little girl at the very beginning. Lori Ann. Lori Ann. She's like three. That's not true. She's like four or five or something like that. She's super young. Georgie is a little tiny bean boy as well. Um, and so like the these kids are like eleven, they're like 12, you know what I mean? So maybe mm-hmm. like they're because it it seems like it just feeds off of fear its power is fear and its power is you like being scared of it because if you Mm -hmm. say like if it's basically like swiper if you're like swiper no swiping (laughs) swiper no swiping he's like oh man and he leaves you know if you're like you're not Georgie because Georgie's dead you know what I mean then he's like oh shit you're right I'm not Georgie gotta go like literally He's like, like, like <laughs> they believe in that, but like, they also believe in each other. Like they form the little club and all that kind of stuff. So they like believe the monster is real. Like they acknowledge the situation. Uh, like they believe in their friendship. They believe that they can kill it. They, but also like, yeah, they have hope, I guess, which you don't have that when you're an adult. Let's be honest. (laughs) You ain't got that no more. Oh no. But also I don't fully know much about it, but there's something about a turtle. What? Apparently. Yeah. Apparently. I don't know what this is and I'm scared. (laughs) Okay. Did you watch the most recent, this is going to be delayed for whoever is listening, but for us, the most recent episode of what we do in the shadows, did you watch it? No. Uh, Atlantic city. Yeah. Or is there another one? Yeah. I just watched it. I think there is another one maybe. Oh, okay. But I think perhaps in the Atlantic city episode, they talk about creation myths. Um, and one of the creation myths is like the turtle that holds up the earth. Yes, Um, yes, yes, yes. Right. And that is kind of the, the antithesis, the answer to the protagonist to its antagonist in the books, um, in this movie. And John Ritter is like a Stephen King fan. And so when he was like, oh, we're adapting it and I'm going to be in it, he like talked to the director and was like, you guys going to have the turtle? And they were like, are you (laughs) stupid? Um, so they didn't do the turtle. Um, but yeah, I guess the final showdown would have involved that giant spider and also a giant turtle. Which I would have liked to see. You know, I am intrigued by this concept. I, I don't know so if that the world started in Dairy Maine, but I'm open to it. Like, why? We've got to force Stephen King. The world ends and begins in Maine. So, sure, why? fair enough. But does also, it like, have to go. Why does it have to be a big spider in the end? Why can't it be? a fucking creepy clown that's got big teeth or something. You know what I mean? Like, why can't he just be like a demon that's in the form of a clown? Why does it have to be like an alien spider with a glow tummy? Like, why does that have to Because it was a clear reference to our alien episode where you got scared by a big spider. <laughs> I don't, I'm not even scared of spiders. I was just like, 
why but okay if we're if it turns okay, into but- some crazy fucking creation myth shit within like fighting the tectonic plague turtle that i learned about in fucking fifth grade like is that what it is like california is on the back of a turtle and that's why there's a fault line because the turtle moves or something like that that's stupid <laughs> well <I'm mad. laughs> I mean, this is like a creation myth in many cultures. Um, Yes, yes. that's that the creation myth is not stupid. It's just this spider turns into that. Sure. Like, do we have to take the story about Dairy Maine and take it to literally like the core of the earth? Like, why? (laughs) Clowns are scary. We didn't need big spider. Clowns are scary. Shapeshifters are scary. Um, The clown is the same species as um characters in some of his other books Stephen King loves he's like Ridley Scott like in Alien how how Ridley Scott was like actually all of my movies took place in the same universe that is also Stephen King with his oh this character actually went to war with this character from this other book and this character actually is the the same species um not not the same character Pennywise the Clown. Some people think that Pennywise the Clown is in this other property of Stephen King's as well, going by a different name. That is not the case. It's a different character. But there's a lot of overlap in the general uh, King cinematic universe and the King literary universe, etc. One thing that I love that this movie does, especially Mm -hmm. like it gives you little hints that the big bad is going to be a spider throughout the way oh my god I'm so glad you just brought that up what 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 are they I did not notice remember when um I know like there was two that I saw there might be more I only know one one, the big one that like got me was when Bev is in the bathroom and the balloon comes up and it pops and she's seeing all this blood and she's freaking out and her dad can't see the blood and she's like there's a big spider a big spider came up from out of the drain and must have gone back and wow another one that i saw is when i thought that was just her thinking on her feet real quick it It sure was but it it is you know it it was was right right there under the drain being like i'm listening bitch i hear you don't like big spiders you're going to hate what I actually am. Wait till you but see my tummy. There was another one that I noticed where in like the second part where they're in the Chinese food restaurant. Oh, yeah. And the um, fortune cookies and Bill's has a spider leg coming out of it. Yes. And that's the one that like stays longest and they make a huge emphasis on that. Mm-hmm. I fucking love that scene so much that. The fortune cookie thing is just so fucked up. And the poor lady who works at the restaurant is like, what the fuck is wrong with you people? You're all screaming and freaking out and she can't see it. It's just genius. Like the blood exploding out of one, the eyeball in the other, the fucking baby bird. Yes. Oh, I know. And apparently so Tim Reed, I think said that none of them knew what was in any of the fortune cookies like they didn't tell them ahead of time so that they could get I have no fucking idea how that can be true and how they would have filmed such a scene um but that's that's the lore at least is that um I think I read that in an article actually um from Ranker and apparently it was all little like puppeteers under the table like making the fortune cookies and like the stuff under it like practical effects I love that Tim Reed 
said none of us were allowed to know what was going to happen in the fortune cookie scene like they made it be a surprise for them which is a fascinating concept that they could be like open this fortune cookie surprise baby bird open this fortune cookie surprise exploding blood balloon in your face like right another clear reference to alien when poor little lambert got exploding blood in her face you hate to see that Oh, okay, I was just looking through my notes and this has nothing to do with what we were talking about. I but love the transition. I just wanted to bring up um, mm-hmm. a moment of writing that was stunning for me. Um, this was after Beverly thinks that young Bill is the one who wrote her her beautiful love note. Oh my God, do you guys have that written down? That is like my favorite thing. Hold on. The poem is really cute. I have the part that's your hair is winter fire, January embers. And then I remember this second part was like, it burns inside of me or something like that. No, your hair is winter fire, January embers. My heart burns there too. That's a sexy poem written by a 10 year old child. If someone said that to me now, it wouldn't make sense because I have brown hair, but I would be like, yes, Yes. (laughs) thank you. His name is like Ben Hanscom or something like that. Um, I called him Ben Handsome and Baby Ben Handsome the entire movie because <laughs> that is accurate to the character as portrayed on screen. That is a very handsome adult man, extremely sexy adult man, and a very handsome, adorable little baby child. Agreed. Would have been a catch for any of those little baby girls. I agree. I 100% agree. I was like casting not believable if he's supposed to be like, I don't even know. He's just, he's cute. Like he's You're cute. You're telling me he Bill's a cute the handsome doc. one? Okay. Well, Bill was also cute. Bill Maybe was like cherubic. Yes, you like, Baby is Bill like is the cute. most precious face in the world. I, I not for me. never fucking realized that baby Richie was Seth Green. Until this rewatch? Yeah what i Dude. never realized it that's so Dude. wild to me because the Bro. whole time i just kept thinking that's seth green and his voice in this movie at age 14 or whatever he was when he was playing a 12 year old the deepest it will ever get <laughs> sounds exactly like seth green today yeah but it, okay one he's so good in this he's so funny in this he's great also the actor that they had for the the new movie um, as Richie is fucking hilarious too. What's his name? Finn. Yeah, Finn Wolfhard. He is, I love him. Um, but anyway, this Richie, what like Seth Green, it makes so much sense. Like I didn't, I, I knew that he was in this obviously because I, I saw it and then I've watched Buffy, but I was like, he is a little Scream King. And I didn't realize it started at such a young age. Like I just didn't realize how young he was in this. And also this is so informative for his character on Buffy. Yes. Because his whole yeah. thing is he's fucking terrified of werewolves. And in Buffy, spoiler, he co- becomes one. Um, so like, I don't know. I just was like loving that connection. I was like, clear this, reference. Is, this is a clear reference. They knew what they were doing. Um, and that's how they knew they needed to cast him in Buffy because he, he had those chops. He had those spooky chops. He said, I um, have werewolf experience. I have werewolf experience in the bank. But okay, the reason I brought up 
all the little chitlins once again is that there was a scene in this movie that had one of the most cringy child flirtation scenes I've ever seen in my life. And it was like cringy just because it's like there's there's such kids trying to flirt with each other. And it was the lamest thing I've literally ever seen. But it's when Beverly thinks that Bill's the one who wrote that beautiful poem. And I don't know which one starts it off, but one's like, oh, see, see you later. later, alligator. And the other one's like, after a while, crocodile. And then Bill gets onto his bicycle and starts biking away. And he says, hi, ho, silver, away. Okay. A king. What Beverly a is movie looking, referencing baby. Looking out into the distance as he bikes away like that's the hottest man I've ever seen. That was so cool when he just screamed hi. So okay, but away. here's the thing. You have to think if you saw an 11 year old boy do that in 1960 and you were a girl who was How would I get to abused this by your oh father. <laughs> Imagine this. You are in 1960. This is a lot for you me to imagine. This is, I can put myself in other people's shoes, but it's hard. It's hard. Here's the thing, though. The, the real baby actress, Emily Perkins, I believe is her name. She did actually have a crush on Jonathan Brandis, I would guess. Um, who Jonathan Brandis, who plays young Bill. Um, mm. And according to her, quote, she said he's a really cute and a very nice boy so I mean like sure you know the chemistry was there on some level and I was like willing to I was heartbroken for Ben immediately off the bat that she was so into Bill because look at Ben he's right there and he is a star um you're beautiful Paul and he wrote you a beautiful poem. And then they want Bill to be the writer. I don't think so. Um, although I was wondering why she assumed it was Bill other than she liked him until they got to a point where he was like telling them a story. And they were like, you got to write that one down, Bill. And I was like, oh, he's a writer. That makes sense why she thought he wrote her something. Mm. Um, Did Ben but- have to be an architect? Is that what that was? Yes, like he had the Times Magazine cover of like, new architect <laughs> okay architects are hot so extra hot oh Bow yeah tie architect oh whew. Ah. Whew. <laughs> he could call me beautiful anytime he he was absolutely the the winner um frankly in terms of this movie i think if you ask me um he didn't get his tummy carved like he does in other adaptations um he did get his heart small broken for a while, sad, but let's be honest, nobody here has a happy romantic life. Um, but so he he's... never loved for 40 years, okay? Because he was still hung well, up Well, neither on did Eddie, so <laughs> 30 years, 30 I, I told years. you, okay, true, 30 years. I did, I, you, you know, I said from the get-go, Eddie had the worst life <laughs> by far, yeah. far and away. <laughs> um, but, but I think, um, you know, the little kids were just so cute and, and their relationships, I thought, um, were built together pretty nicely, mostly just in the way that kids become friends where, where someone is nice to you one time. And then you go, do you want to be friends? And they're like, sure. And I, and it works out, you know what I mean? Good for them. Um, I thought the relationship building between them was pretty good. Um, I thought, um, yeah. Uh, do you remember the greatest scene of all time? The building of the dam montage. <laughs> <laughs> Every movie needs like a team building 
scene that is actually built down. I was like, literal team building. Literally team building. And oh, oh, and that makes sense with Ben being an architect with them being like, how do you know it's going to work? And he's like, I just, I just know. do. Yeah, it's my little foreshadowing right. of being an architect. Cogs already turning. Incredible, incredible. What a talented man. If only he had war- started with the bolo ties earlier in life, things would have been different. <laughs> well, if you if you notice, like uh, with the bolo ties, he talks about how he his family clearly left Derry sometime after then, and they moved to El Paso, Texas, is where he graduated oh, high school, which is probably where he picked up his bolo ties. <laughs> He said, I decided to run and then I ran and then everybody clapped. Um, oh, and the running him. story Sorry. was so weird. He was like, I was like attacked by a coach and then I changed my <laughs> entire life to spite him. And then the coach got so mad, he punched me in the face and then he got fired. And I was like, oh, I got a letter. <laughs> The thing is that this whole movie is very weird. Do you know oh, what I mean? So this whole movie is it. very strange. That's why it's okay, so this good. Movie is, this movie is very bizarre and I'm obsessed with it. Obsessed with it. But one thing that I am not like a lot of things have aged poorly about this movie. And a lot yeah. of things like make me as a person who was born in 1990, like two weeks, three weeks before this movie came out there are scenes with henry bowers where he says the n the n-word and it actually said that word on like primetime television in 1990 three times that word was said and it was like fine they like allowed the hard r yeah like i didn't know that like it was said on television it it sure was and I mean the little baby actor who played young Henry like didn't really want to do it and he apologized to the little young baby who played young Mike before and after every take was like sorry 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 I I didn't I didn't write it I didn't pick this um terrible but yeah really shocking that it was uh made it on I mean I guess that it was the 60s but in the movie technically i i it was the 60s in the I, movie uh, but it was but in the 90s, 90s they say he says it again in part two yeah he sure does <laughs> oh yeah he does oh okay so <laughs> something i just recently read bram stoker's dracula and then i watched the movie which we have to do on the pod talk about bonkers oh my god anyway um there's like a portion of Dracula, Bram Stoker's Dracula, where there's a character who is institutionalized, who is under the influence of Dracula while he's still like institutionalized. And that is totally what Stephen King was referencing with that with Henry Bowers, because like Pennywise was controlling him from outside of his jail cell. It was so exactly like how it is in the book. And I thought that was a really cool reference to like classic horror literature. Um, Because Bram Stoker's Dracula came out like way long, very long time ago. It's public domain now. Uh (laughs) Also, it's like something that I want to talk about that I thought was like kind of funny and very interesting. Yeah. I think Stephen King started writing this in like 81 Uh and finished it in like 86. Like it took him like five years to write it. 
Hmm. But in that time, um, cause you think about it, it's like a demon that's like possessing kids and stuff. It kind of has big, like Freddy Krueger vibes a little bit. Oh, for sure. Yeah. There was definitely some, some nightmare on Elm street vibes with, right? um, the, so, I can't wondering... tell what's real, what's not kind of stuff. Yeah. And, totally. so, like, was Stephen King like influenced by Freddy Krueger or like was this happening and he was just like also happening to be writing like a similar like instant and just like punching in the air every time he watched a new like because in we haven't covered it but in the second nightmare on Elm Street there's like a big shower scene as well oh, and there's one and in it, Eddie like, has so his. it yeah so it's like very that so you're just like scene. is he punching the air or was he like just inspired and making clear references in the book the shower scene was so fucked up well it had some nice claymation <laughs> i love that claymation floor like wh- who was it i think eddie at one point when they're trying to like explain away what happened to them he was like maybe i just imagined it all and i was like eddie how would you imagine the whole floor opening up like that like and all the showers becoming happen. extra long and scary <laughs> very spooky very spooky when poor guy he didn't even want to take a shower that's one thing that I did notice about this movie is it's so the like only blood we see for the most part other than when Mike gets stabbed and you see like his blood soaked clothes but other than that the only blood you see is the blood that's related to it um when it's like bursting out of a balloon or a fortune cookie or whatever dripping from Stan's disembodied head um well, you don't but- really see Poor Stan. The picture, like uh, the picture of Georgie that is like bleeding. Yeah, yeah. I think that was like considered one of the more like scarier things like on like playing on television at the time, like not movies and stuff, but it was like considered one of the more like gruesome and gory, like how could this air on television scenes? And we're just looking at it now like that. Did it play? Yeah. Did this play like after 10? Yeah, no, this was like a prime time because it's like, literally cable event. And that's oh, what's no. interesting to it, me it's because ABC. it's TVPG. It's rated yeah. TVPG. It's ABC. It's so clearly rated P- TVPG. You don't see hardly anything. Um, it's very it's just spooky vibes. clear to me that it was made for kids. Um, or at least to be accessible to kids, which is so interesting because it was so um, formatively terrifying for so many children. Like I didn't see it when I was younger, but I know that this was like the blueprint for like a billion things. And like, this was like Tim Curry as Pennywise was like haunting to people um, of of roughly our age and a little older. Um, Yeah, that's why millennials are so fucking scared of of clowns. clowns. Also like- Fuck those fucking people who are doing the clown shit all across the United <laughs> States. Oh, in like 2016? Liter- yeah, yeah, they're all copying this this completely, obviously. But like that part when, Aud- is it Audra or it might be uh, Ben are like driving into Derry. It's Ben. He's driving into Derry in the taxi and then like... The clown just on the Pennywise side of the road. just on the side of the road, like <laughs> holding all these balloons. <laughs> And then the balloon like shows up in the car and it was like, go home or some shit. So I thought turn that- back now or something Turned like that. Back now. 
yeah, I thought that was really interesting too. Cause you could tell that like Pennywise was kind of shook that they were all coming back because he was trying to like spook them like when they were on their own to get them to stay away. Um, instead of just like, you know, getting them right then and there. I also don't understand. Sorry. My brain's all over the place. I don't understand how Eddie died. Um, was he just he got squeezed pinched to, death? to death? Yeah, I guess. <laughs> okay. All right. All right. All right. Internal bleeding. I understand. And of course, it didn't PVPG, so we couldn't see any blood come out of him or anything. I yeah. would have loved to hear a crunch or something. You know what I mean? It really, I knew. Um, okay. I referenced this when we introduced this movie last week, or maybe when we talked about it on our mini sode. I was very familiar with the fact that Eddie died because someone that I follow on Twitter is like a huge ready shipper, Richie and Eddie. Cause I guess that's more of a thing in the reboot. I didn't get strong vibes yeah, in yeah. this movie it until the end the when they're reboot. like, and then Richie spent the rest of his life being partners with someone who basically was Eddie. And I was like, what? Um, but that aside, oh, I knew that Eddie yeah. died because of all of the content that they have put onto my timeline. Um, and so I kept being like, when does he die? Is this the moment? Um, and then he gets squished. And I still didn't think it was the moment because he was just kind of being held up in the air. Yeah. And then when he's on the ground, all of a sudden he's just like, Ugh. just dead. Ugh. Just dead. He's like, hey, I told you to stop calling me Eddie Spaghetti. And then he died. <laughs> That's literally like his last words. Don't call me Eddie Spaghetti. For the last time. His last words were to Richie, love. I didn't know about this ship, but it makes a lot of sense now. And I'm very interested in it too. I will be looking oh, up. I'll send you some after. stuff. I have some <laughs> thoughts about this ship in a later segment of the pod. Mm -hmm. Okay, okay. Um, but one thing about Richie that I really, really love is, um, what do they say? Like beep, beep Richie or something like that? Oh, yes. yes. When they want and that's literally the them telling him to shut the fuck up. And so I'm going to start, start, literally start being like, beep, beep, Richie, like fully expect that. I would love to have gotten an explanation for why that means that. Apparently it's just something that's like from the books that they didn't like fully invest time into sharing. Cause you know, there's lots of story to cover. Um, but, but I mean, what a way to say it, you know what I mean? So polite in its own way, but also very fucking rude in its own way. Um, Richie kind of will keep talking until we all die if he's not beep beeped though. So right. someone had to do it. Here's the thing about Richie that bothered me though. Um, the consistency of the characterization in the second half of the film didn't necessarily feel like it rang true to me. Like I felt like Bill got a lot more one-liners a lot of the time, both as kids and as adults, but also Stan's head. I don't know that Stan's head decapitated in the mini fridge was at all consistent with the real Stan because obviously it was not the real Stan, mm -hmm. but that was the funny guy in the group. You know what I mean? That was the guy throwing out zingers, dragging everybody. Um, and, and I felt Richie really kind of took on a more dramatic role for the most part in the second half that that also the script didn't necessarily fully support in a way yeah, yeah I feel the writing like also... in the second half was a lot weaker here's yeah. my question I guess um obviously I was not I don't get scared usually by our movies like I'll maybe have one one real scare each movie um this movie is made for four babies um and it, and it didn't scare me as a 29 year old um 
which is fine. Um, but did this movie scare you guys when you were children? Like, what was it? Tell me about yeah. your initial experience. I didn't see it as a kid. I saw this in my uh, early 20s horror renaissance. And so <laughs> I I didn't feel any fear. But Sydney, what was it like to be a little bean and see I this? I saw this as a preteen. Mm-hmm. So probably like early, early 2000s, like still like, and I remember watching it on TV. <laughs> like oh, they, they would have. It again? Oh, they must have bleeped it by yeah. then though. Uh, maybe, probably. Like I just don't remember I was 11 know what I mean yeah mm-hmm. um but they would do where and they would play it like back to back where you know you, they'd have like the movie marathons and they would mm-hmm. play it and I every time it was on I loved watching it the one scene that always always got me there was actually two the opening one with Georgie mm. always made me like super uncomfortable Mm-hmm. I don't know, like the teeth, the eyes, like the just the whole like Tim Curry being like, you float. I don't know. Like it always just like made me like super creeped out. Um, another part that always got me was after Mike joins the club and they're like looking at his book of photos and they're like looking at all oh. the old photos and then like want the pages like turn and turn and turn and ends on one and then it comes like to life and he like is like talking to him and doing all this stuff and like his hand reaches out like that always freaked me out like that always used to make me jump oh I really would love to watch the new ones with you because like you're not gonna like them the same at all because it doesn't have any of that same like campiness right and also it's not practical effects it's cgi and shit and so that kind of takes you out of it in a little like for a movie like this for the story the way it is like it just goes hand in hand with practical effects for me um that said though it is allowed to be gory so like georgie you know how they say that georgie's arm gets ripped off they said his arm was ripped right off his body. They say that in this movie. His and arm gets him. ripped off. <laughs> yeah, at they, the end of the movie, in this one, they show him in his little raincoat and he has no arm in one sleeve. But that's like really as far as you get. And I would love to see. Okay, the thing about this movie that I think um, I liked best is that it made me really interested in, in potentially reading the book or in watching the reboots like I feel like it really was a good primer um mm-hmm. for for the story because like I said I tried to watch the new one with some friends just part one and I just couldn't get into it um and I remember some of the scenes being similar to this but I don't remember it well enough but now the I'm like intrigued enough that I want to similar yeah I want to go back and I want to revisit I, yeah, I know it, it'll, it'll, it made that we're watching this maybe appreciate the, the tries that they did, but you know, obviously it's not going to hit the same mark as, as this one does for you, Sid. Um, while we were, while we are recording this, I downloaded the audible of oh, it ooh. and hoping, cause I've tried reading it. I'm like, maybe I can listen to it on tape and that I can like power through it that way. Yeah. But also another reason why I just don't think that I will like the newer ones is I just, I love Tim Curry so yeah. much. He's like in, like he, 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 
nine minutes or something like that in the movie like he's not in this movie a lot but he is the reason I keep coming and keep wanting to watch this movie his performance in this movie is just and it's a tv pg movie know what i mean yeah and he is so creepy and so his voice is so scary right so like scary and you're just like ooh, like to this day he like he just his voice his acting him as the big four-headed clown like <laughs> it's just so good like it's so good and again, I like, I like the kids, like the kids, like that, the kids are great. that part of this movie is like really so endearing and like that script and the set and the practical effects. Like, I, I think you might like part one of, of the, of the new ones because it's so focused on the kids and the kids are all fucking great actors. The, the I new, know, but the I just, I, I don't get great vibes from like watching the trailers of the kids. Oh, they're so good. They're so good. I don't know. Maybe it'll just try it. Maybe. <laughs> She's going to kidnap you. She's going to tie you down, make you watch this movie. I don't think you'll like Pennywise as much. Like Bill Skarsgård, he is really, really good in it. But he does something very different than Tim Curry did, does. Um, I do like the makeup that they did for this one. One big qualm I had with this movie <laughs> was the cinematography choice that was made so many times throughout the film where like the camera would be like and like noodle around to everyone's face and go in circles to everyone's face over and over and over again and I was just like it happened like six different times and I was like I guess this is like a visual trope but I've never hated anything more and it was just so confusing and like I don't get motion sickness but I was like maybe this would give someone that I was like why I guess it was supposed to be unsettling and I was like I guess it's working because I'm so angry right now (laughs) it was really really strange choice yeah I think um like Sydney said the real strength and the real staying power of this film is like purely other than John Ritter's sexiness um yeah it's purely Tim Curry's the strength of his performance, how eerie he was able to be in a very small amount of screen time. Um, Cause even there's the character of it has a lot more screen time, but when you can't see Tim Curry as the clown, essentially they had just other people playing those roles um, instead of making Tim Curry, like sit through hours and hours of prosthetics to be an old man or an old lady or mm-hmm. a gas station attendant or whoever it was. Um But that, I think, is the most compelling thing to me about this, is he is so creepy. He is so scary. And then a lot of other things are, like, very silly to me. Like, um, the the deadlights. Um, I like it in the tunnel, actually, when you can't see what's going on. And then when you do see what's going on, I I like it less. Um, And the spider web. I guess makes sense for a giant spider. You know what I mean? But like, not so spooky to me. Um, the the Audra getting cut down from the spider webs or gently lowered down by the spider webs after the, the evil has been defeated. Um, and then she gets woken up by a magical high-ho silver bike ride. You know what I mean? Wait, um, okay. That part of the movie... 
I completely forgot about. And I was like, this is so rude that Audra just becomes catatonic when she was just trying to be a nice wife. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like she's just like she's putting her career on the line to figure out what the fuck is going on with Bill. Also, Bill, tell your fucking wife what's going on before you leave. Okay. Like he told her a little bit of stuff, but like you need to give her the full picture. I know he couldn't remember everything, but like that's your wife. Have um, some communication. Come on. Communication is key in a relationship. Um, he had to go like, kiss Bev on the mouth. He couldn't tell her everything. Yeah, he was like fucking cheating Bev on the mouth the whole fucking time. Cheater. Bev did initiate it a little the first time, I think. But then he also, they, they had a very passionate kiss at another point. There was not just one kiss. It wasn't just a one-off. Um, but like, I just love that. He's like, I know what will solve this problem where my wife is catatonic. Like if we go really fast on this bike down a hill, like it just doesn't make any sense because they didn't put enough fucking emphasis on the part with Stan and and uh, Bill and biking away from the deadlights, biking away from the yeah, the from the deadlights, like that scene like if they had made that seem more important like that the bike like had this magical speed or something like that maybe but i was just like this is the how the film ends this is <laughs> this is how the film ends it's beautiful it was inspiring at least it was happy ending. mike just goes and everybody got a happy ending except for me but maybe i still will because now i can leave the end god i hope good things happen to mike after this i hope good things happen to mike i wish something good had happened to stan because frankly he also eddie had a pretty bad life but also stan had um it seemed like stan had a great life and then until all the why, memories came rushing back and he i went, know oh, yeah I remember when a clown hypnotized me and i wanted to be dead um maybe i'll do that now yeah so- that shit was so fucked up and that was just such a like okay it made sense like that's how they introduced the deadlights because it's like a call to the void, right? Um, but I didn't remember that that's what happened. So I was just like, what the fuck is going on? Did they just do this just for shock value? Ugh. Okay, but Stan is where part one and part two- That was play. my guess! When yeah! Stan, like, like, when Stan, like, you know, trigger warning- kills himself in the bathtub he writes it, it in um, blood and that's the end of the uh, first one okay that's a that's really good, good. That's, that's brilliant good. okay all right that was my well, guess from earlier i didn't say it but i want you to know that i thought it inside of my brain <laughs> i believe you you're really good at guessing twists Thank you so or much. not twists or i things. love to do it but also sometimes you just throw out enough guesses that one sticks well there's always that there's always that you know Sometimes that's how I feel the director makes choices in films too, especially in horror. (laughs) We're just going to throw things at the wall until something sticks. But yeah, um, the deadlights. What would you do if your whole life you've been fighting this clown, you know, Mm -hmm. and then it turns out he's a giant fucking spider. (laughs) He's a giant spider with train headlights. And then you just go, and then you're dead. I'd be so yeah. mad, but can, can we talk about my favorite scene that I completely forgot existed? And then oh, while it was happening, I was doing like, what the fuck? What the fuck? When they are Which down one? there and it's Henry Bowers, 
Belch. Belcher. Stan. And, you know, it comes and, like, grabs Belch and, like, sucks him into the pipe. And he's like... (laughs) And he's just got that, like, 20-yard stare because he's completely, like, his spine is snapped. Snapped. Obvi. Oh, that that I like I completely forgot that that part existed. <laughs> I was like, oh, okay. Yeah, I think um this this <laughs> poor Belcher. This movie is just so strange, and that they're like um the the premise is that this is a monster that uh feeds off of your fear before it kills you to sustain its own life um but like a cicada it goes into hibernation for um 30 years um and cicadas are like 17 years but the general principle stands um but so it needs to create these like weird moments of fear to like truly feed but also it only survives if you believe in it because if you don't believe in it then you're not afraid so there are all of these things that it's like puffing the inhaler works because they think that it's going to do something um and catapulting what's slingshotting silver earrings at it works because they think that silver would work because it appears to Richie as a werewolf and werewolves don't like silver um and so they go oh then it must not like silver and so it doesn't like silver like it's very strange the way it makes sense the way those two things like feed together but it also leads for a movie where the rules are not necessarily consistent because if they just Mm -hmm. believe something is going to work it will um and if they don't believe something is going to work then it won't um and so it's it's very strange in that sense that's why i was so angry at the end when he turns out to be a big spider god just saying that is just so fucking ridiculous oh my god like when I watched this movie for the first time, I was irate at the end. I was irate. I was like, are you kidding me? Because somehow, somehow, my entire life, the fact that he's a big spider hadn't been spoiled. Or someone said that one time, and I thought they were kidding. So I was like, ha, ha, ha. Uh-huh, like, joke's on me. It's like this magical, mystical, fear-mongering demon kind of thing that is like fear personified, like luring children, all this stuff. And then they're like, yeah, no, it's a spider, honey. Like, it's a big, giant fucking spider the whole time. Oh, how does he, like, I don't, why did he choose to be a clown? Why did that spider choose to be a clown? I don't know. I just have so many questions. Stephen King, call me. I have to know. Wasn't there, like, a whole, like, thing with the clown with John Wayne Gacy and people were, like, clowns were mad at Stephen King for making Pennywise like like the bad because like all the <laughs> party clowns all the party all clowns were like dried upset. up and then Stephen King was like no no clowns are just like creepy in general and then in the 80s when he was writing it the whole like John Wayne Gacy was in jail and it was coming out like with him and he was doing the paintings of Pogo? What is the John Wayne the clown? No, what is it? I don't his name. It's something with it starts with a P. 
Oh, yeah, he dressed up as Pogo, Pogo the Clown. That was it's his Pogo. clown persona. It's yes. Pogo. But, like, Pogo the Clown and Pennywise. Know what well, I mean? Like, IMDb. Pennywise, Pogo, like. IMDb says on his website, Stephen King makes no mention of Gacy in discussing his inspiration. So who knows if Stephen King just went, what are the scariest things to children? Clowns? Spiders? Balloons? Eyeballs? Dead birds? Yeah. Also, like, something that I liked, even though it was weird, was the whole... I love the like you'll float to tagline. Like I love that. I think it's so creepy because you're like, what the fuck does that mean? Because you're being pulled down into the sewer, right? And it's like, oh, your corpse is probably floating down the river. That's what I thought, you know. But then in reality, it's like, no, you float into the sky into my spider web, like right. thing. <laughs> oh, oh is that like, what it means? Yeah. I would lot- prefer to not know what it means. I'm gonna do you, that's you, what it I means. Didn't hear that. Yeah, I, mean. I would like it to be just a mysterious, spooky thing that is said um, in a mysterious, spooky way. I know no more. Um, <laughs> the The strength of this movie is visuals alone, frankly. It's not necessarily the way that the story comes together. It's not necessarily the way that the story is told, other than the first half, I think, sounds like it actually would have been as a standalone, like kind of a banger. Um, but... Yeah. It's the same thing for the the remakes, man. The first one slaps. The second one, I was like, where are all the kids at? I knew they weren't going to be in it. But Bill Hader is in the second one. And, and, he's, and he's great. He's still Hader. You and know? he's still Hader. And she is the perfect man to play Richie, honestly. So that slaps. But yeah, I mean, this movie, I'm really glad I rewatched it. So thank you, Sydney, for being born and thusly making this choice and thusly thrusting it upon us. Like, it was good. It was very perfect for Halloween time. I, I right? feel very it's in the mood. It's a good, fun, spooky movie. Yeah, and I'd never painted my face like a clown before, but, like, I'm honestly, like, really into it, and I think I might do this more often. <laughs> I love that for you. I love that journey that you're on, Monica. I follow this girl on TikTok, and all she does is paint her face as, like, clowns, but, like, different type of clowns, and the other day, she did a sexy vampire clown, and it was, like, weirdly really hot, so I don't know. <laughs> Something's happening. Here's a clown fun fact for you. Um, clowns have to trademark their clown makeup face and nobody else can use it once you've trademarked it and I think but I would have to make sure that this is not wrong if you were going to trust me and bet your life on this but I think that you submit like a little egg painted with your clown face when you trademark it that's true right does anybody know that's why would I know about that but that's true now that's that's (laughs) how do you copyright a clown face painted on an egg boom that's from the Smithsonian bag baby that shit is fucking insane god everything about clowns is wild the big shoes the tiny car (laughs) everything about clowns now is that where the idea of a beauty blender came from makeup on an egg it's egg shaped. Something is there. There's something there. Someone call. <laughs> the connection is there. Someone call Sephora. I don't know. <laughs> Hello, Sephora. Hello, Sephora. Do you know? Can you explain? Then I'll come the back etymology to of Be honest. A beauty blender. <laughs> amazing. Amazing. Um, 
is there anything else we have to say about the this movie before we move on to our segmentos? I mean, there are a million insane things in this movie. You know what I mean? But I think I'm I'm prepared to to go to our segments. Okay. So how could it be gayer? I feel like this movie is pretty queer. Um, and um, I definitely get like some energy from Pennywise himself. Oh, 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 here's the thing. Um, Pennywise is trans and Pennywise is non-binary. Um, and I say this, first of all, just because Pennywise can change how they present themselves at will, but also because um, in this adaptation and in the new adaptation, Pennywise is played by a man. Um, but one of the reasons you know that Pennywise is not the same character, it's just the same species as one of the other characters in the other Stephen King book is because in the books, uh, Pennywise is a girl. Pennywise is a female member of the species. What the fuck? I need to read And so book. I'm fully prepared. Yeah, we gotta read this book. Yeah, you gotta read you gotta that read book. Read you gotta book. report back because it's not I got I, it. 45 hours. I okay. don't have it in me. Pause, um, the, pause the pod for 45 hours. I'll be right back. <laughs> <laughs> you just sit right here and I'll... Can you uh, imagine I'll the state I would be? Like, l- imagine what my clown makeup would look like 45 hours later. Very, very sad clown makeup. Just play it at like 1.5 speed and just, just speed run your way through. Um, but yeah, to me, Pennywise is absolutely trans and non-binary and, um, I don't think that that needs to be part of the long and storied and dangerous history of, um, villains being LGBTQIA plus representation. I think just, um, he can be an icon and he can be trans. I agree. I also think that Beverly needs to hang out with some women. Yes. Yeah. Beverly needs to there was six preteen boys, you know. There was some kind of chemistry between Bev and her assistant in that brief clip. Pam? Oh, yeah. Pam? And she had some, not chemistry per se, but I do want to give a shout out to the sassy little girls in the beginning of the movie um who when oh, they're walking by bitches they're like honestly ronnie some people have no class and i was like first of all wow banger um but then they were like yeah some people's parents are janitors and it's some just people's parents are janitors yeah, what about like, it yeah Beth, Beth. <laughs> so fucked up kids are so mean Kids are so Christ. <laughs> but um yeah, I would love to to see Bev be queer. Um, I would love the ready of it all, Richie and Eddie, to have lived up to my queer expectations in this movie. I think you could give me more of that, both when mm-hmm. they were kids, because I feel like Eddie, frankly, really was with Bill and Stan was with Richie when they were younger. You know what I mean? I, that's how I would have divided it. Yeah, um, no, Richie and, and Stan then, were always together. Right. And I was like on the lookout for Eddie and Richie moments during this movie because I was waiting for it. Um, And there are a couple, but frankly, I felt that we didn't get hardly any of it until Mike at the end was being like, and Richie's happy ending story is that he's famous and his partner looks and acts a lot like Eddie his, his comedic partner, not his romantic life partner. Um, Although who knows? Um, But 
I just feel like it wasn't gay enough, actually. Well, I think Eddie is in in this adaptation is like incredibly queer coded. Like adult Eddie, like still living with his mother, like Mm -hmm. the perennial bachelor. Mike, frankly, too. Well, especially like in the 90s when like you couldn't have an openly gay character like that like on air I think Eddie was like because then you know like if they are the losers and the misfits right mm-hmm. you have the, the gay you got character. a Jew my you've god I hated Jew, you've got the Jew you've got your Ugh. token Jewish representation you know, your token I think in Stephen King he goes it's like the magical black person is like he a Stephen the, King it's a Stephen King trope, trope. It's oh, a trope. Oh, well, oh, it's oh. like Mike is the one, you know, is the one black he's the person, storyteller, the lighthouse storyteller, the with all the answers to do everything. Like, why does Mike have to do all the fucking work and not like leave the goddamn town? Let Mike go have a beautiful life outside of this now that Pennywise is dead. Jesus but it's something Christ. that like Stephen King is like guilty of in his writings. He does that. Okay. Then you have like Bev, the one girl who's being abused at home. Um, in both Stephen King does not know how to write women. You know, Richie is a ginger, so you know, outcast right there. No soul. So <laughs> sad. And Bill has a stutter. <laughs> yeah. Damn. Well, the oh, and then Ben it. is cute and adorable, but I guess they think his only bad. flaw, he's too cute. <laughs> he's too cute. Too ben cute. is just he's too, too cute. cute. They said he must be targeted for being too cute. <laughs> okay, in the new ones. Ben's character is like obsessed with new kids on the block, like obsessed because they move it up to be set. It, the child part is in the 80s. Um, and I feel like that makes him a little I like that, like drives it home a little bit more because he's like a little boy who's obsessed with new kids on the block, which I fully support him. But yeah, he tries to like uh, impress Beverly by being like, oh, yeah, I love these kids on the block. Have you heard this song? And like, it, it's incredible. For me, though, I get um, more straightforward gay vibes from Mike than I do from Eddie. From Eddie, I get like asexual, demisexual vibes with him being like, I could only ever do sex with somebody I was in love with and I've never been in love. And I think possibly some of that is just like repressed gay sexuality. You know what I mean? Could be very straightforward. Mm -hmm. Or it could be that like idea that everyone has to find love or everyone has to want to have sex. And he's like, oh, this is the reason why I don't want or have either of those things is, is he's being like, it just hasn't happened to me yet. As opposed to I, I don't have romantic interest or I don't have sexual interest possibly. Um, and I think um, that, that was just my takeaway, but, but I think, you know, obviously there's a lot of space Um but again, I I kind of feel like um, Stan is the only straighty here. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Stan with his little bow tie and suspenders. His little boy scout. And he really loves his wife. They have a vivacious he sexual like a sex relationship. Or something. Yeah. Right? Poor guy. Poor Love that wife. for him. Poor wife, though. She's yeah. like, they're about to fuck and then he's dead. That's just horrible. She's just, just coming very in to jarring. bring him a beer in the bath. <laughs> She's the perfect Oh wife. my God. Wait, okay. I'm so glad we brought this up because her fucking face after she finds him, like it's a very deeply sad scene, but she's literally like, like making like the, the most 
bizarre grief face that I've ever seen. And I watched it with Adam and Adam was like, you better make a better face if you ever find me. (laughs) (laughs) It'll be a challenge, but I believe that you could live up to it. Yeah, I'll work on it. I'll start practicing now. Um, But okay. I mean, that's how it could be gayer. Yeah, the Um, answer is everyone could be gayer, but also most of them are already a little gay. There's some stuff happening. Um, Where could Matthew Lillard fit into this film? Um, he could have been, how old was he at this time? In 1990, he'd be like 20. Wow. I can't believe he was like 30 when Scream came out. Or less than that. He's like less. 26. 26, either way. Um, <laughs> he looks like he's like 18 to me. Anyway, whatever. He definitely could have uh, been just a, an extra. <laughs> walking around in the back. <laughs> just walking around. He's too old to be a kid. He could be so. the orderly at the hospital that Henry Bowers gets. Oh, I would have loved that. Uh, that would have oh, been good. That's a scene when Pennywise turns into a big dog that still has a man's body. <laughs> yeah. And is dressed as a clown. Raised and a lot of questions for me. Off? Frankly, why that man would be able to see that when their whole thing is like, the adults forget, like the adults don't know, the adults don't want to know. And so they don't perceive any of it. Why that guy? Why can that I guy think see? Pennywise can make, if he wants you to see him, I think he you will see him. Okay. And he just sensed that that guy is afraid of dogs. And well, also he was like, Kujo well, that- reference. <laughs> That and he calls Henry Bowers dog meat. Mm. I'm like, guess what, baby? You're the dog meat. You're now. dog meat now. <laughs> yeah, I feel like that'd be the perfect place for Matthew because um, he can't be any of the main characters because he's n- neither old enough nor young enough to be it. If he was just a little younger at that time, I would have loved to see him as Bowers, but I would have loved to see him as a Bowers who does not say the N word. Um, Cause that right. would just, I don't want that yeah. for Matthew Lillard. Um, I don't think Matthew Lillard wants that for Matthew Lillard, you know? No, no, I would, I would, yeah. I would say that he definitely doesn't want that for himself either. So I, think I feel like if I would have took... loved to see him in the greaser hair. That's mm. mainly why. <laughs> if we took adult Matthew Lillard though, I think he could play a pretty interesting grown-up Richie. You know what I mean? Like we know he can be funny. Yeah. Um, we know he's got the chops. Um, and also considering the casting was not necessarily designed to pick actors who look the most like their baby counterparts as possible. I don't think he would have been out of place in that cast. If you transported him through time and space, you know what I mean? I think he'd kill it as Richie, frankly. Oh yeah. I agree. It really would have worked. Okay. So for dumb bitch though, Mm -hmm. um, Sydney, what do you, what do you think? Okay. My biggest one is Bev's dad. I've got lots oh. of beef with Bev's dad. Fuck him. And also Eddie's so mom. And honestly, lots of bad frankly, parenting here. Well, and you get like Bill's parents are kind of shitty too. Like in the yeah. way that they handle it's like, like a disease of dairy, like makes you a bad person. Well, they literally say that, I think, in the movie. Yeah, no, yeah, it's like, true. It's like that old man who sees Bev like about to be assaulted, like assaulted. Yeah. yeah. Um, and just turns the other like, what? Come on. So in this movie. But I almost feel like that bed. lets him off the hook then. 
if he's like under the disease of dairy. However, that said, it means Bev's husband is 1 billion times worse because he doesn't live in dairy and he's acting under only his own influence and he should die. And he almost did die in this movie because in the original script, he was going to come back at the end um, and they were going to face off with him or something instead. um, And then that didn't make the cut and, and he should have come back. He should have had the Audra role where he comes back because he was supposed to come like hunt down Beverly essentially was the the concept. Um, Mm -hmm. And it makes sense for Audra to be like, I'm concerned for my husband. Let me go see if I can help or support him or be there or whatever. Um, But I think if they had had Tom come back to be an absolute dick, um, I would have preferred him to just die. And then also we wouldn't have the magical bicycle scene. You know what I I mean? I would have loved for him to have been like ripped limb from limb. Yeah. That would have been Oh yeah, that would 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 have been a great ending for this. Yeah, I would have loved to see him absolutely eviscerated by a giant spider with a glow tummy. Um, That would have really drove driven it home for me. Um, but I don't want the bike scene to not exist because it's just the oh. stupidest thing I've ever seen in my sure. life. And I love that it does exist. <laughs> the power of cycling will bring you back to me. Oh, I sure, watched as a cyclist. I, as a cyclist, I liked that. And I also was like, Adam, why don't you ever do this for me? Why don't you ever let me just sit on the Drive bike into like a cutie? Well, okay, that part is bad. <laughs> that part is bad. That part was dangerous. It's like, what if she wakes back up and then they just get hit by a car and then that's the end of the movie. <laughs> I'm sorry. I didn't mean to undermine your nomination, Sydney. I do think Bev's dad sucks. That's no, sucks. but I sucks. think Bev's husband now has to suck even worse. Also, sure. I get so creeped out when her husband calls her little girl. <laughs> He is just an absolute nightmare of a man and I would like him to die. Um, and I would personally murder him myself if, yeah, if I had the opportunity. Um, that you. said, I would also like to take some... For, okay, sorry. I just spotted something in my notes and I need to, to mention it. The fact that he pulls out a belt, death, death to this man, death to this man, death to this man. He's anyway, like, I'm going to teach you a yeah. lesson like last time. Literally go... I oh no he's well he's, and he literally deserves like, way worse than just getting bonked on the head with some night cream like he deserved I don't oh I know because he even says to her like maybe you'll be able to leave the house in two days instead of two weeks no I hate him he's dead to me um he mm. does not exist in in this movie and may he die um but I would like to give an anti-dumb bitch award, which I haven't done in a long time, but I would like to give an anti-dumb bitch award to Mike, who also had a shitty life and got stuck in dairy and got stuck being the lighthouse keeper, but was smart enough to realize even as a young little thing looking through the newspaper clippings that there was something funky going on and that there was a lot of mysterious disappearances and act and um, act what what? accidents oh my god why did my brain stop um Listen, we are bad at words and thoughts it on this wasn't podcast. coming to me i got it eventually 
but um he put the pieces together essentially even as a child and as everyone left he said i gotta stick around because the adults in this town don't know what the fuck is going on everybody forgets um and i have to be the person who stays and remembers because we are the only people who were able to put any sort of stop to it last time and if it comes back around which it will surely do we need to be prepared like we have that little photo book we explicitly know that Pennywise presented himself as someone who is traveling through time and space and history and even if it's just like waiting in the wings for his next appearance you know what I mean he said I will be there through all of the 1700s 1830s whatever it is he said I'm gonna keep coming back So Mike said, all right, I will stay on guard and I will spend my whole life doing this and I will prepare 10 years in advance on sort of a suicide mission, but also something that saved us because they got their little silver earrings back, which bolstered their moral support at least. um, And also, I guess, killed the spider or whatever. Um, (laughs) I just think that um, Mike, Mike deserves all the acclaim. He's the, he's the true anti-dumb bitch of this movie, but also, frankly, a lot of the movies we've done so far. You know what I mean? He, he's he got he's a lot bitch. of common sense. He fell on the sword. Way. Yeah, a lot of other And he literally don't. got stabbed. And he yeah. literally got stabbed. And then he's he just off stabbed. screen for most of the end of the movie. And then he just shows up at the end to be like, anyway. So Let here's me. what happened. <laughs> Let me go back to being the narrator. <laughs> Okay, all right. So he's a smart bitch. Uh, husband is the dumb bitch. And now yeah. we're on to our knives out of fives. And so, Chelsea, what did the the good people think about this movie? On IMDb, it got 6.8 out of 10. And on Rotten Tomatoes, it got 67% fresh from critics and 63% fresh from audiences. And it also won an Emmy for Outstanding Achievement in Music Composition for a miniseries or a special. So it won an Emmy for its score and it won, it was nominated for another Emmy, I think for makeup design or something like that, mm. um, which feels Dessert. right. But but mm-hmm. I'll tell you in a second if I was lying. Um and I was, I was lying. The second Emmy, perhaps to Monica's surprise, um, was a nomination for outstanding editing um, for a miniseries or a special single camera projection. So not cinematography exactly, but- They the, fucking love that yeah. zoom around. They shit. said, What's do you know what? Keep it in. Um, I've never nominate seen something it for like an this Emmy. before. So we have to nominate it. Hopefully sure. I never see something like it again. But it. yeah, um, I would say that is probably roughly consistent with the knives out of fives that I would give this movie. Um, I know for for Sydney, there's a lot of nostalgia factor here. Unfortunately, I just don't have that. Um, I think if I had been able to watch the first half and its original medium and in isolation from the second half, I probably would like it a lot more. But generally speaking, for me, this movie was like a little all over the place. Um, it, it didn't necessarily commit to any of the feelings enough for me to get super emotionally invested in any of the characters, which is like what I engage with stories for um, personally. Um, none of the scares were, were quite scary enough 
for me to to say like that's what I was here for instead um I did enjoy it I will say I think this was a great I, I said earlier like was a good primer I think and and it really did get me invested enough that I want to see like a more adult version of this instead of the version that's TVPG. Um, I do want to engage further. And so, so that to me tells me that I, that I liked it, you know what I mean? Um, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't really personally give this more than three knives out of fives. And that's just because I feel like a, a rating lower than that is not fair. Um, based on the overall enjoyable experience that I have, but it was not like special to me really in any particular way, other than John Ritter, other than John Ritter. He's exempt from anything, any criticisms that I have, he's perfect. Very special to me. (laughs) I love him and I love his bow tie and I love his goatee and I just think he's great. Five knives for him. This movie has so much nostalgia with me. Like I can remember like specific things. Like one of the first times I was hanging out with my college boyfriend, I drove up to Indiana University and was like staying in his frat house for a weekend. And after a party, we like laid on a couch in the frat house and watched all three hours of this movie (laughs) because we both were like, I fucking love this movie. And, or like, I remember like sitting and watching it on TV, like with my parents. And I remember like sitting and watching it with my best friends, like every time around Halloween, like it was always one of those, like we're gonna decorate the house and have this on in the background because it was three hours long and if we couldn't decorate the house by the time the movie was over, it's time to we were back. never gonna finish. Yeah, like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> like we had to like have like the inside of the house decorated the by the clock. time. Yeah, and so I'm gonna give this a four out of five for me. Uh, I love it so much. Some it did not age appro- like well that I just don't <laughs> like. I think, but also like I'm always gonna love it better than the remakes ones. So <laughs> that you haven't no. seen yet, I yeah, know that I, haven't I know you love it more. This one, those movies. Okay, is it my turn now? I don't want to step That's on you. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Cool. 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 <laughs> I don't want to just like start going off. Um, I loved this the first time I watched it. Um, watching it this second, maybe it's the third time. It couldn't have been the third time. It's so long. There's no way this is the third time I've seen it. Um, but I was like, okay, you got to be in the right space. And the first time you see it, you're like, absolutely, what the fuck is going on for like 90% of the time. So you're extra engaged because you're like, every moment is a new surprise every moment you get a hi ho silver away i'll see you later alligator after a while crocodile um an absurd reaction to your husband's death like there's so many absolutely bizarre things that happen in this movie that make you love it so much you watch it a second time you remember some of those things so you see it coming it doesn't pack that same punch but but at the same time like this is like you said so influential um like our entire like millennial age group whatever the fuck is scared of clowns because of this like you know or maybe they remember John Wayne Gacy but I was not alive for that and so I didn't know about it but I knew about Pennywise I knew he was fucked up and I knew his forehead was way too big what's going on in that head if his forehead's so large very sinister very alarming um but you know 
Uh, I, I'm going to give this movie like a 3.85. 3.85. Okay. I, I misspoke, but that's what I'm going to say now. 3.85 knives out of knives out of five <laughs> um, um it just gets me all flustered you know something about tim curry um because it it definitely is a mess but it's a beautiful mess and aren't we all a mess deep down inside yes we are and so it's a very relatable film <laughs> because of that <laughs> aren't so, we all just demonic clowns somewhere deep deep down on the inside with large foreheads and pointy teeth Aren't we just clowning on the outside and a big nasty spider on the inside? Yes, <laughs> we are. <laughs> and so I, I love this movie and, and I can't wait to watch the new ones again. They're not better than this. They're not, but they are different and they are really fun too. So I'm just glad this, this shit exists. So that's it for me. <laughs> but next, okay, that's it. That's it for it. That's yeah, it we're done. It. That's it with it. Three hours, no, four hours and 45 minutes later, if you count runtime of the podcast and <laughs> the amount of time it took to watch. Um, this is this is our Halloween month. Did you know it's October? Did you forget? That's sad if you did because it is you're obviously not doing it. October here at Spooky Tuesday. It's Spooktober. Well, guess what, bitches? Next week's Halloween. That it's happening. It's happening. So we're choosing our Halloween movie. And it's a movie that we all fucking love. And I hope you've seen it before because wow, did you have any sparkle of magic in your childhood if you didn't? It's Hocus Pocus. It's Hocus Pocus. The scariest Pocus. film yet. The scariest the movie we've ever done. The of the Spooky <laughs> Tuesdays. Yeah, okay, it's not necessarily scary, but it is iconic and it does have beautiful spooky imagery and beautiful spooky makeup and beautiful spooky acting. And Sarah and Jessica Parker's tits in that movie was very formative oh. for me in my youth. And that's one of our segments, so. <laughs> it's, it's iconic. Yeah. Banging soundtrack, by the way. So get ready for it. This is the perfect way to ring in the trick-or-treating time of year. Um, and, you know, watch this while you're getting your costume ready. It's perfect. If you like what you heard this week and every other week, well, why not give us five stars on Apple Podcasts or on Podchaser? It would be a beautiful Halloween gift for everyone involved. Consider it, consider it. Um, and besides that, you should also follow us on social media at Spooky Tuesday on Instagram, Twitter, TikTok. That's it. Uh, and at Spooky Tuesday Pod on Facebook and Tumblr. And again, we have a letterbox. We have about three followers now. Would you like to be the fourth? At Spooky Tuesday. <laughs> Thanks for listening. Bye, Spookies. Spooky Tuesday was created by Monica Height, Sydney Thompson, and Chelsea Duff, and edited by Sydney Thompson. Our gorgeously spooky tunes are all thanks to Tamara Simons, who you can follow on Instagram at Captain Tamara, and our podcast art is by Mary Murphy, who you can find on Instagram at the underscore moon underscore omg. Be, be, Richie. Come back anytime.